Hello everyone and welcome to a new season of Kernel of Truth. I'm your host Rupa and in this episode of season 3 we'll be talking about hardware telemetry and hardware software interface for telemetry, protocols, etc. A lot of exciting things with our guest Barak Gafni. Um, Barak has been, I've known Barak since our Mellanox uh, partnership days and it's, uh, Barak has been in every conversation regarding telemetry so it's very interesting stories he has and I'll let him uh, introduce himself further. Hey Rupa, um, great to be here with you and thanks a lot for inviting me here. Um, yes, so uh, I'm working uh, uh, in uh, NVIDIA now these days, uh, part of that uh, in uh, Mellanox uh, on the ASIC architecture. And just as you mentioned, uh, we put a lot of focus on telemetry. As you know, this becomes uh, one of the key aspects of networking these days and, you know, these challenges of being able to monitor and control and manage these uh, bigger and bigger networks that uh, people are building these days um, definitely become a challenge, so. Awesome. So let's dive in. Um, so before we jump into the exciting new features in uh, ASIC or hardware telemetry, right? I just, let's walk through the evolution of telemetry. We have had S-Flow, or S-Flow is supported since a long time, SNMP, and you know, CPU-based telemetry collection, counters, application specific and so on. But there has been, as I recall, uh, many telemetry options uh, since some time now, like ASIC monitoring features. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, so if you look backwards in time, right? So uh, definitely we had counters um, and more application specific uh, capabilities, which uh, like S-Flow that you can actually see what packets, what applications are going through your switch and you can do some uh, cool stuff around it. But what happened over time was that if in the earlier days, the CPUs in the switches were quite strong and the ASIC was kind of limited in the amount of data it could uh, process, uh, we've seen in recent years that the ASIC actually grew, grew uh, their capabilities in the industry significantly. So it kind of opened a gap between the capabilities of processing of the switching ASICs and the CPUs. So kind of um, early days methods, like CPU trying to pull counters and for example, understand what the status of the queues and the buffers uh, slowly became harder and harder, right? So in order to um, uh, coming to solve these kind of problems, we said, okay, why wouldn't we offload some of these um, methods that used to be run from the CPU into the ASICs? So for that, for example, we implemented uh, polling uh, machines uh, directly in the ASIC, just nearby the queues. So we can uh, poll them uh, all the time, very quickly. And then with uh, more efficient uh, data structures, such as uh, histograms, we can quickly um, export this data to the CPU and from there uh, to the operator or to the application. So that brings a lot of value to our customers that can now get a much better resolution and much better understanding of the queues and buffers behaviors all the time. Um, one more thing about it maybe is 
that operators don't want too much um, of data to handle uh, over time. So uh, it's very important for them to also get alerts if something bad happens. So in this case, uh, the ASIC uh, by itself can alert uh, the software stack if, for example, a queue is going over a threshold. So the CPU doesn't need to pull the counters all over all the time. You just need to do it when something uh, happens. So it can be focused and uh, save a lot of resources. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. I had not known how much of um, ASIC has been offloading such uh, functionality because even today, most of the telemetry functions, they usually poll for data. Right. Um, and yeah, and, and you guys have been, um, when I say you guys, it's Mellanox and now it's NVIDIA, uh, have also new features like WJH, what just happened. Um, and maybe now we can talk about that. That's a little more advanced than, you know, uh, taking, um, it, it basically provides more features. So yeah, let's dig into what, let's tell our listeners what WJH is and then we can dive in further on the, uh, things around it. Exactly, yeah. So, um, you know, when we think about what just happened and what is it, um, so the key the key thing here is that we try to improve time to root cause, right? This is our goal. And, you know, um, when we talk with operators and with our customers, some, some people call it actually time to innocence, right? Because what happens is, uh, as we started to discuss, right, uh, people are building uh, larger and larger networks these days, and it becomes a challenge to be able to monitor them. And uh, once some application, or which are usually the customers of these uh, operators, right, uh, they have some issues. Many times, um, the first thing people are looking at is the network. And then the operators should tell, okay, is it the network actually? Uh, is it not a network? And if it is a network, uh, where is it in the network? And what uh, is the root cause of this problem that might have happened? Um, so our goal here with what just happened is to enable the operators to dramatically reduce the time to root cause and the time to innocence, if you like, um, and immediately understand uh, where the problem is, if it actually exists, and how can they solve it as, as quickly as possible to let the business uh, run um, as best as they can, right? Because eventually this is our goal. Um, so th this is what we focus on, right? Uh, so what just happened comes to tell uh, the operator when something, uh, let's call it suspected or bad happened in the network, what went wrong, where is it? Um, all these kind of things that uh, before that, uh, before what just happened is coming to, the, to play, you know, the network is kind of a big black box for many people. And if the hardware in the network doesn't allow to deep dive and uh, take a look on what's actually going on there, it's pretty hard and challenging uh, for operators to debug uh, and analyze what's going on there. Yep. And, um, and as I think WGH actually categorizes these various observability or telemetry data into various drops or latency and so on, which is pretty, pretty impressive. It gives you the exact uh, point uh, or exact reason for a particular drop. 
So if I understand WJH, it is some historical data that the ASIC saves on drops and which can be collected by a software interface on your ASIC, correct? Yes, right. So what the ASIC is doing is actually monitors um, potential issues that may arise to traffic that is going through the ASIC. So if in, you know, in, in some uh, legacy implementations, uh, an ASIC detected an issue with a particular packet, it usually would have been drop it and in a good case, uh, count it, right? So first thing is, you know, to assure that every drop is being counted and this is kind of the uh, baseline to anything on top of that. But the, the key thing here is that uh, the AC can also actually uh, take this packet that should have been dropped and instead of just throw it out, take it uh, put a timestamp on it, some, some metadata, right? A timestamp, what was the ingress port, for example, right? And maybe most importantly, what was the reason for this packet to being dropped? And this is a key thing, right? This is what eventually will help the operator to pinpoint the problem, to go and find out, or to look out for a particular issue that may be related to this problem. And then, just as you mentioned, stream it towards um, either the CPU or directly towards some collector, uh, which then enable the operator to consume that. Um, yes. So, uh, so are you saying, Barak, that you can program the hardware directly to stream it to an external collector? That's right. That's right, yes. Uh, I think th that's an interesting discussion, right? What would be the right uh, interface for an operator to to get this data, right? Many, many people that we know, right, like to kind of SSH to the, the, the box and see what's going on there. So this is something that especially when people are already in kind of a debug mode is definitely important, um, either, you know, in the lab or in the live network. Um, but not only that, we also want to be able to stream it outside of the box. So a more network wide view can be uh, consumed. Yeah. And I've been amazed at uh, the ecosystem that is being developed around this feature and uh, basically the software, hardware software interface. And um, I, I myself and many people have interacted with a library that you guys have put up to actually uh, enable and extract data or extract drops uh, on the system, on the CPU, an application can run. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. And uh, uh, in the spirit of open networking, this library is out there for integration into Sonic, if I am right, uh, Barak, um, and um, any other integrations into other telemetry applications as well, right? Yes, definitely. So, um, yeah, we, we are embracing the open networking, right? Um, Starting Mellanox, now with NVIDIA, and definitely uh, together with Cumulus, uh, we embrace these ecosystem and we want to enable our customers to use the best of breed, right? We don't want uh, to limit that in any way. So we are working very hard to open these APIs and to enable more and more applications to uh, call these APIs and benefit from this telemetry. And th this is a key thing that you mentioned, right? Because, uh, you know, there are many telemetry uh, frameworks, but I, I believe that as we make it simple and consumable, this is key thing for our customers uh, to be able uh, to consume that.
And that software interface matters a lot. Then the ecosystem around the software application libraries that you provide matters a lot. And I think uh, everything that is being done there is pretty awesome. I do want to um, interject and talk about the Linux kernel here because I uh, I follow it very closely, as you know. Um, so Linux has had a feature, you know, a drop monitor, like you know, similar to a WJH. Basically, in the networking stack, if there is a drop, you can actually run a monitor to understand where the drop happened. In software terms, it just gives you a call stack of where that happened, and that is super valuable. And uh, one thing that I was amazed to see in the last, I don't know, maybe a year back, a networking conference when some uh, Mellanox people, Edo and uh, Jiri, who uh, submitted patches and who extended that particular drop monitor function to hardware. I thought that was pretty neat, basically, the same thing now, you will, uh, the same interface allows you to watch drops in the kernel, but also in the kernel networking stack, but also, you know, hardware drops. So, so uh, the, fa the, uh, the model of the story here is the ecosystem is being built around everywhere, even in the Linux kernel. And recently, like Barak also knows, Barak and uh, we have been in the conversations with SFlow, who um, who is wants to or is extending SFlow for drops, and um, yeah, Barak, I, I think there was a blog published, uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe this morning or yesterday about how drops in a Linux pure Linux system can be monitored, and you know something this can be extended to hardware tomorrow. Right. This is. This is pretty exciting, right? Um, to see how this ecosystem grows, and especially when it's standard, right? It's it's uh, interoperable, so other vendors in the industry can benefit from it, and uh, we can just build uh, better and more um, visible networks uh, together. Beyond drops, I think you guys uh, also sub. Uh... What is that? Latency and queue uh, buffer-related data as well, right? Barak, you did mention that. Yes. So, so drops is kind of you know the first thing that comes to mind when you think about something bad happened to my network. But sometimes you know it's not only about drops, right? Because um, you may suffer from some performance issues even though packet didn't drop. And you know a clear example for that could be, um, for example. Many many networks today that are running uh, Rocky, right? They may not drop any packets, uh, but they may have some uh, performance issues due to some uh, latency congestion, um, and you know, especially when these kind of applications usually are distributed, so they uh, tend to suffer from these kind of scenarios in the network. So definitely, it's important to look also not only on drops but also on issues like performance. As well as you know, layer one issues, which may start uh, getting uh, worse and worse before um, packet may drop, but you may want to be notified about uh, these kind of issues before they actually cause issues to your network. That's a great uh, point. I had not thought about that. Lossless networks. How do you, yeah, how do you right, still you use know, this function? Yes, you know, our roots uh, as a company are you know, very focused on performance um, and high performance networks are kind of where we come from. So we are definitely very uh, mindful about these kind of uh, issues. 
Um, so we want to allow our customers to uh, better manage these kind of networks as well. Awesome. That's a great point. So what is, is there anything more going on there? Um, uh, what do we expect in the future? Um, are you guys still working on interesting things? Definitely, as always. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you know, today uh, what just happened um, is kind of a framework that is already available, right? Um, people already consume it and we see great results, um, but it is very much focused on a particular networking uh, system, right? On a particular switch, for example. Um, and then uh, after this analysis is being done on a particular switch, you can then maybe stream it to some collector and uh, use some some tools to get kind of a network-wide understanding. Uh, but in addition to that, you know, we are working to extend the, this scope and maybe enable more um, network-wide capabilities, if you'd like, um, which will increase uh, the visibility uh, for our, uh, our customers and operators to be able to understand or to better um, trace uh, uh, issues in the network uh, for their applications. Uh, so this is something that we are uh, working on, um, as well as some other stuff that, uh, you know, stay tuned and, and, and see what's going on there. Awesome. We'll probably, we'll have you again in the podcast for a later, later sure. podcast to talk more <laughs> about that. Yeah. Um, so yes, and uh, about, and this is, we, we're all talking about Mellanox A6 and WJH and WJH Lib and so on, but this is becoming mainstream, such kind of telemetry data uh, streamed by the ASIC. And there is definitely a lot to uh, read or listen to even in the OCP communities. I mean, we have uh, Mellanox and NVDA has been talking about this in OCP and so are other vendors. Um, and like we said, it's available on various platforms, even in Sonic. And you can see um, such technologies getting mainstream in OCP communities where all these vendors come together and uh, put some standardization around it. So pretty cool to see. So to our listeners, do go and catch up on that uh, on the OCP uh, uh, tracks as well. So let's dive into the next topic. It is a very interesting topic and uh, IOAM. Um, so it happened uh, a few days uh, ago that uh, Barak, somebody posted a kernel patch <laughs> related to IOAM and <laughs> that's when Barak and I started uh, talking about it. What what is this? And I, it was surprising to see that Barak is very involved in IOM. So that's when uh, it occurred to me that it would be really great to do a podcast on current telemetry and you know what is going on in IETF and standardization on hardware telemetry and so on. So Barak, what is IOAM? Yeah, so IOAM is an interesting project that started uh, in the IETF a few years back. Um, and the idea here is uh, again, to enable more visibility into the networks. And uh, as we just talked about what just happened, also enable uh, application-related uh, uh, telemetry coming from the network. Um, and in this case, uh, mostly triggered by packets traversing the network devices, right? Um, so if a packet um, would go through a particular device, this device will be able to stream telemetry about this particular packet um, 
either embedded the telemetry into the bucket itself or a uh, kind of postcard uh, telemetry related to this packet uh, directly uh, to either a collector or for a local uh, consumer. So this is uh, the framework that is being built for the past years in the ITF um, in collaboration of many great people and companies uh, that are driving that. Uh, and the idea here is to enable interoperability, right? Because, you know, eventually we know every vendor can come up with its own uh, solution, uh, but it's pretty hard to consume that solution and to rely on proprietary solutions, right? So the idea here is to, to agree on an interoperable framework that can then be implemented and deployed by the operators um, without being, you know, um, limited or locked into some particular implementation. Are we talking about um, existing uh, flow packets here or additional probe packets? Um, are these headers or are, is this telemetry data on existing flow packets? Yeah, or it is special um, telemetry flow. Yeah, the, fl the framework is actually pretty generic and flexible in that terms. And your question is great because I think the discussion here is not only about how uh, technically to embed the telemetry into a particular packet, right? This is important, but um, maybe more interesting discussion is what is your um, model on to consume telemetry from your network, right? So this uh, framework enable you to either use some kind of probe packets that you can run to the network and then the network will react to that and um, respond with telemetry. Or you can choose, uh, for example, to some particular flows. Uh, I want to watch them more uh, specifically and, and get the understanding of what they see uh, when they traverse the network, what the network uh, is doing to them. Um, or actually, you know, in the extreme case, you may say, okay, I want to see everything. Um, and obviously there are some trade-offs here. And for uh, different scenarios from the operator's perspective, there will be different solutions that will benefit um, for him. And we see various use cases which may choose one way or the other um, to use it. But uh, the framework in general um, is flexible enough to be able to accommodate uh, various use cases and, and operation models. Okay. So you mentioned postcards earlier, and I did a little bit of reading and prep for this <laughs> for this podcast. <laughs> so I was uh, I was looking at postcards. So postcard is a way that every node in the uh, fabric can send their telemetry data, right? And yeah, is that is that accurate? Is... Yes. Yes, it's, it's, it's totally accurate. So the thing here is, you know, when, when we consider um, how to deliver these kind of technologies, these kind of solutions to the operator, key consideration would be the consumption model um, and the interoperability between uh, various vendors and maybe even more importantly, between various generations of devices, right? Because many people, when they come to deploy a network, it's kind of a brownfield already, right? And we want to enable them to benefit from these technologies. So if we look on what we kind of discussed already here uh, in this podcast, what just happened is 
very interesting in the sense of that it's uh, pretty much um, standalone solution that does not rely on the implementation on the neighbor devices, right? It doesn't need any marking in the packet. You just um, can see what happened to a packet when it traversed to this particular device and then notify, and then we can build a picture. But we, even in brownfield cases, right? This works very well because there is no need to talk in between um, devices to make it work. When we talk about um, postcards, this is uh, a technology that allows us, uh, by the way, in terms of ITF, it's called uh, DEX, Direct Export. Um, so this is a draft that is uh, progressing now in the ITF as well. Uh, and what we're trying to do here is also to um, reduce or to lower the barrier for interoperability. So what we basically want is we want to say, hey, I want to measure or to report on these particular packets or applications in the network. And then let the devices export this data directly rather than in the headers of the packets themselves. And this simplifies the operations. Um, and it, it because of that, it gathers a lot of um, interest recently from the industry. Um, just because it's simpler and it's easier for interoperability, again, across vendors and maybe more importantly, across generations of devices, because all of these operations are not always simple, right? To come and read uh, these special fields in some headers, yes, and then maybe even, you know, modify these headers and remove these headers. Um, you know, legacy devices um, did not support it. Um, but, you know, modern hardware enable us to do more on this space. Um, and, and, and this is where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And I think uh, something like post postcards will accelerate its consumption, right? The, to the great point you make about interoperability. Exactly. Accelerating with such uh, things, minimal, uh, minimal or simple steps will help. And you're saying that even the decks. So we will, uh, we should put all the references to all the RFCs that you're making in the show notes later. Those right. send readers. Uh, so even this decks, you're saying that uh, the protocol from the um, initiator of the telemetry packet to whatever the ASIC will communicate to the collector, all that uh, format is being standardized. Uh, yeah, I think uh, you know, in terms of ITF, this is kind of the area where it's less strict, right? Um, because interoperability, exactly, because this, this channel is a little bit more flexible, right? Um, what we care more about in terms of interoperability is actually um, uh, how we encode the uh, actions need to be taken by networking devices. For example, which telemetry should be reported, which packets uh, should we report telemetry on, um, and where should all this data be encoded in the packet, which is a very challenging thing. Yep, that's yeah. good. So um, any predecessors to this IOAM? See, I, I used to hear a lot about int, um, and we used to every time at Cumulus, right? I mean, every time an ASIC supported int, we would know about it. And right. we <laughs> would ask you have to do something about it. But yeah, I mean, we 
don't support Int, obviously, today, but uh, I'm curious about what are your views uh, on Int and its, um, yeah, I mean, today's prominence and so on. Right. Yeah, that's a great question. So many times when I talk with people about uh, telemetry, um, kind of the surprise fact about it is that we didn't invent anything. Um, you know, um, this kind of technologies actually exist in IPv4 since the very early days of uh, RFC 791. Um, and it appears in IPv4 uh, as just options, right? Uh, you can extend IPv4 to options, and then there are options that can allow you to record the route that the packet is going through and timestamp and things like that. So these kind of ideas exist for a very long time. Uh, the problem is that, um, again, I think that as uh, the network devices became faster and faster, uh, it was harder back in the days uh, to be able to embed this telemetry and to parse these packets in a way that allows uh, to deploy these kind of technologies. And you know, these days with modern hardware, we have uh, more flexibility to be able to implement these kind of models. And I think this was kind of a very good reason for all the team uh, to come sit and maybe better define and extend this framework uh, for more capabilities and to be able to support more use cases. Uh, definitely Int uh, is, you know, coming from another um, uh, uh, team, uh, kind of sitting under uh, p4.org, uh, which defined a quite similar framework, I would say. Um, from my perspective, uh, I hi highly appreciate uh, this uh, effort, and I think both the teams in the ITF and uh, for Int benefits from each other and work together. And um, the the way I, I look at it is, ITF is is kind of a, a place where we can uh, form a better interoperable and sustainable. Um, ecosystem across vendors, and uh, this is what ITF is recognized for, right? So, I believe you know, although sometimes in ITF it takes a little bit longer um, to get into agreements, but uh, it's it just because these agreements are important. Um, so, I believe for the longer term, it has a lot of value as well. Well said, yeah, I agree. Right. So, uh, what are the other applications of these, uh, um, right, uh, telemetry information, even IOAM? Um, can they be used in congestion control algorithms in the future or anything else, uh, work that has been going on? Yes, definitely. That's a great point. So, um, you know, we discussed that uh, operators want to get telemetry and at, at, at the end, you know, an operator wants to get telemetry that he can do something with it, right? Which is actionable. Um, so if I'm an operator and I see that I have, you know, high queues somewhere, maybe I can do something for the longer term. But probably, until the time I will get the telemetry, I will analyze it and I would like to do something with it. Probably, this application has already done what it had to, to be done. So I can benefit uh, and maybe change something in my in my network to make it better going forward. But um, interestingly enough, um, uh, there was a, a, 
a great framework uh, called HPC that presented, I believe it was last year, um, that kind of taking advantage of this richer set of telemetry that can be provided by the network elements, by the switches, um, and then it can be consumed in the endpoints, for example, by the NIC. Um, and then the NIC can immediately respond and, um, you know, uh, adjust the transmission uh, according to the telemetry that's being collected by the network. So that's great to see, and we love to see this uh, evolving. And um, actually, to your point, just, you know, I believe a few weeks back, um, there is a new draft in the ITF that talks exactly about that. Uh, what should be the, the framework for a congestion control algorithm to take advantage of that? So um, that's exciting as well. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, I will take the link uh, from you for the show notes. It's, Definitely. I, I need to catch up on that too. Definitely. Awesome. Yeah. I think another use case uh, or kind of uh, interesting point here is, um, you know, when we consider to embed the telemetry uh, versus uh, to send it through uh, uh, some direct export or a postcard, if you'd like. So what we've seen in the ITF um, is, is the differences and the different trade-offs between various use cases for networking, right? So we in uh, Melanox and NVIDIA are very focused on data centers and a lot of our products are um, coming to solve data center problems. But then in the ITF, we talk uh, with uh, one providers, mobile networking providers, which has different uh, boundary conditions, different constraints. For example, uh, how much bandwidth or available bandwidth do you have in your network to be able to send telemetry to the collector? Right. Or what the size of the packets or of the headers that exist in your network where eventually an ASIC need to be able to parse through these headers, gather the action uh, that need to be um, executed on this packet, and then potentially embed some data on this packet. Right. Um, so it's very interesting to see these kind of different views in the ITF. Um, and the different ways people um, consume or use this technology in order to solve various uh, types of networks problems. Very interesting. Okay, so I guess we are almost wrapping up. Um, one last thing that I did want to ask you is what uh, um, makes it possible for hardware to, you know, be participate in this more easily today or um, protocol considerations that we do when you talk about an IETF, about interop, about hardware telemetry and hardware support and software support. Is there any considerations that you guys do mainly for hardware? I read somewhere that uh, TLV-based um, protocol is probably uh, better for hardware telemetry in general. Right, that's a great question. So. I would say that in general, you know, even considering the ITF, so we have kind of two parallel efforts. Um, one effort is to uh, define how would you encode, again, the the action, the actions and the telemetry itself in the packets, right? Which is very important. And um, actually, most of the framework for that 
is now in the last call process um, in the working group in the ITF. But in parallel, uh, we, we pay a lot of attention to how, how can you take this um, data and where can you put it in, in the packet, right? Uh, just as you mentioned for TLV-based uh, protocols and stuff like that. So this is a very important work uh, that we are doing. And in the ITF, you know, we consider, for example, IPv6, we consider Genev, we consider Vixen GP, we consider um, some other protocols as well, you know, GRE, um, that kind of more extendable, um, be it with, uh, you know, TLVs or ex extensions for, from various types that will enable eventually to build the headers in a way that will be able to carry this data. Um, and you ask about the hardware, right? So people want to build hardware that will support it, need to build it in a way that will be flexible enough um, to embed this data. And actually even before embedding, right? The first stage is to parse, right? How would you parse? And especially when, you know, we talk about 100 gig for most uh, listeners today probably, and tomorrow it will be 200 gig or 400 gig, and maybe a few years forward, 800 gig. You know, you need to build a very strong parser that will be able to react to uh, various um, uh, header formats um, and to be able, for example, to jump over uh, uh, big chunks of data in the header and continue to parse afterwards. Um, so this is definitely challenging tasks for uh, ASICs these days. Uh, so parsing is one thing, then you need to, you know, take the actions and, and potentially, again, change the headers or embed some telemetry. So you need to collect it from various areas, right, on the ASIC itself and still being able to embed it eventually on the packet. Um, so it's quite challenging. Um, but, you know, we're working to um, to tackle these challenges and um, and eventually deliver that to our customers. Awesome. Great to know. And I think we missed talking about operational models uh, for this whole thing. And I'm sure you guys are talking a lot about the operational models as well in ITF, right? Uh, maybe the closing uh, statements, probably a few lines on what is the operational model you see or what is being discussed or um, stated in the RFC. Right. Yeah, so actually we, we kind of um, put another effort on the operational model. Um, and there is another draft that uh, is more focused on that. Um, and especially for operators, this is super important, right? Because, you know, from the vendor perspective, Eventually, we as a vendor and definitely other vendors should provide the tools and the means to be able to um, deploy these uh, technologies. But in the end, operators are the guys that need to operate it, right? And they need to pay a lot of attention to how they operate their networks uh, and how they will be able to consume this telemetry. And I think, you know, we can talk about multiple stages in the life of the network where you uh, may choose different tools, right? So on the day-to-day -day or day two, if you'd like, when you operate a network, um, you would like um, to gather telemetry from the network. Um, and in general, you would like to be notified when something uh, may happen or already happened uh, to your network. 
But then once you get these kind of notifications, either you can immediately solve it or you want to take kind of a zoom in to uh, your network or to some particular part of your network. And then you may use some other tools, right? You may be more active uh, in your uh, operations and test and verify what's going on uh, in your network. Um, so these kind of things kind of varies. Um, and according to the stage you're in uh, on the operations, uh, you may want to choose different tools, right? So we talked about day two, right? But day one is definitely also a very important uh, kind of stage in the life of the network. So you want to make sure everything is kind of stable and ready for for um, for live network, right? Um, so again, it, it varies. And um, uh, we try to make this uh, framework uh, flexible enough to allow these kind of different stages of operations uh, to use these different tools. Thanks for listening to The Kernel of Truth. We'll be posting show notes on the Cumulus blog, where you can find loads of educational material on Cumulus and the open networking industry as a whole. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, so you're notified when the next episode is posted or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you.